Think when Harry met Sally, or about time. Think before sunrise, or before sunset, or the final film in the trilogy, Before Midnight. And though I haven't seen it, IMDb assures me that you can probably think about serendipity as well. Although the plots of these films all vary, and their characters are different, and their beginnings and conclusions aren't the same, they do all share one common motif, the reconnect. Two characters meet, perhaps there's some romantic tension, and then they lose touch. Yet sometime later, maybe months, maybe years later, they meet again and romance takes hold. Harry and Sally kiss on New Year's Eve 12 years later. Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy's characters meet again in Paris nine years after meeting in Vienna. It's an artistic trope, but as is often the case with art, it can mimic life. This story is one of reconnection as well, but unlike these films, it begins long before the first meeting. It begins in kindergarten. I'm Christian Gobo, and this is Seemingly Insignificant. There was a chart in the kindergarten classroom, hanging on the wall. On it were the names of all the students in the class, and across the top was a list of skills and activities each student was expected to complete by the end of the year. Skills that may have included writing each letter of the alphabet, or counting, or using a pair of scissors, or other kindergarten acceptable goals. The chart was full of stars, gold ones, lined up beside each name, and when a student mastered a task, they earned a star. And so, on the chart, each kid's individual progress was rendered visible to the entire class. Erin Rhodes sat in that class, and she grew to hate the chart. The chart with the gold stars and everyone's names on it. For there was one skill on the chart that haunted Erin. She couldn't tie her shoes. I couldn't do it. I couldn't tie my shoes. This was before whoever, blessed them, invented the Velcro shoes. Like, I had to learn how to tie my shoes, and I think it's actually kind of hard. Being on the other end of trying to teach someone to tie their shoes, like, that's hard, too. So, um, yeah, I couldn't get the star, and I still, I didn't get it, like, by the end of the year. And there was always that, like, you know, I saw everyone else had got, was able to tie their shoes except me, and that, like, blank space just, like, was seared into my mind, and it just would never go away. And... I never forgave myself for that. <laughs> so, like this idea of giving someone a gold star for something has, uh, uh, it's, it doesn't make me feel good. Like it has a very um, sort of negative association for me. Of course, Erin did eventually learn to tie her shoes, but those gold stars would always haunt her. Flash forward now, 15 odd years later, to when Erin was 19. She was in Indiana, attending college, and it was there that she met her best friend, Christine. We had gone um, on an off-campus program, Christine and I, to France, and so we were kind of a semester ahead. So we ended up taking the summer and a fall off of my sophomore year, I think, because I had went off-campus early and um, lived in Portland, Maine, and that's where I met um, Aaron, he was like a friend of one of Christine's friends. That's right, there's two Aarons in this story, but one spells his name with a double A, so hopefully this doesn't get too confusing. Anyway, the two meet each other, but because of college and other circumstances, they only hang out as friends. And then um, we continued to correspond during college for a while, and we had made a plan that 
he would take a bus out to Richmond, Indiana <laughs> the summer after I graduated. And this was kind of before cell phones really were around. So like you either had to communicate by like phone phone or letters or some other, you know, mysterious way that leaving messages up on <laughs> billboards or whatever. So um, this plan was kind of like, you know, it was loose. So it wasn't certain that was going to happen. But I ended up graduating and then I stayed in a friend's house um, afterwards and kind of, I don't know what happened. We either, like the, the plan had never sort of gotten finalized. So I waited around thinking, well, you know, it's a small town. We'll kind of run into each other or, or somehow he'll let me know if he got on the bus and came here. <laughs> So um, I kind of just waited around and and then, you know, I had to move out of the house because that person's lease was over. So I was like, well, they didn't show up, so I guess I'll just go home. So I rented a car and drove home. Um, but I didn't find out till way later that they actually had come, walked all around campus, like left notes on bulletin boards. Um, but they didn't really know how to get in touch with me because, you know, I was at this other house and... I don't know if there was a phone there. I didn't, no one had a cell phone. So I guess I hadn't left any clues around campus where I might be. So it just was like ships kind of passing in the night. It's almost a cliche, a requirement for a story of this type. The ships passing in the night, as Aaron said. The just missed opportunity to reconnect. But as keen listeners will expect, this story of reconnection doesn't end here. Many years pass without a word, until one day when Aaron checks the mail. In it is a letter from Aaron, that's double A Aaron, and she later learned of the indirect route that it took to get to her. Aaron had my mom's address where I grew up, but she had subsequently, when I was in college, sold that house and moved to Cape Cod. So, um, Somehow the people that were living there, like, I guess had my mom's address or something, and they were kind enough to forward the letter to my mom in Orleans, and she forwarded it to me, and I was living in D.C. at the time. So it kind of took a little journey to get to, to me, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why this person all of a sudden out of the blue writing? So we sort of struck up a, in a correspondence again, um, sort of like old times, and... Uh, I would say he's a very master letter writer, which was kind of rare. It's becoming a rarity, I think. So it was kind of a fun correspondence to, to have. And then two or three years into this renewed relationship, Aaron receives another piece of mail. This time, however, it's not a letter. It's a cassette. And on that cassette is a song, a song called Gold Stars for Aaron. We could, do you want to play a little bit yeah, of it? And, a yeah, of it. Um, it's, so it's now it's on my computer, so... Sometimes I wonder why the sun comes up at all When the world around me seems made of sticks and straw And I'm reminded I can have it all It's a wonder Then I realize everything's a dream And I'm wrapped around Pillow in between me and nothing it seems Nothing, nothing, nothing in a dream Wait. <laughs> so as you can see, it's like 
homemade, handmade, whatever. <laughs> I like that. It feels very, um, I don't know, it doesn't feel overproduced, you know? Yeah, it feels like that's That's a good word for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely yeah, has some rough rough edges, <laughs> which is which is good. That's how I like it. It's good. Erin had never had anyone make her a song before, and for her, this one meant a number of things. It reminded her of kindergarten, of the chart, of the stars, and the shoes she couldn't tie. But it took that negative association and it spun it in the other direction. So this is, I guess, why it was called Gold Stars. I can get as many gold stars as I want just for just for existing. When you got in the mail, were you expecting no. anything? No. no, I was like, <laughs> wow. So I ended up like, I, I I wasn't sure what to make of it, so I asked my friend the same Rachel I went to the Air Supply concert with, who was also living in D.C. at the time, um, to come with me, go for a drive. So we listened to it together, and she was like, this is so cool. Nobody's ever made a tape for me. Like, this is so neat. I was like, wasn't sure what to expect, so, but it was, it was really touching. I mean, yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad, you know, I had someone else with me that I trusted fully to, like, listen and kind of wonder like wow what does this mean that someone sends you a tape like this of songs and so um yeah that was my first experience of it driving around dc with my friend rachel time goes on and aaron continues to write letters to aaron after some time he suggests that she move to maine to be with him and to me that would that's a huge risk because i had a job in dc and i had friends there and uh, um so I, i took a couple years to like figure out what I wanted to do but I ended up moving to Maine as you can see um, which you know was terrifying um, I didn't know anyone up here except for him and you know I felt like I was going to the ends of the earth since I had been living in large urban cities for m- most of my life after college um, so that was um, it's a huge adjustment and there were a lot of difficult things that you know, was walking into sort of a difficult situation with um, with his past relationships and everything. But, um, you know, I, I can't say that, like, it's been a, like, star-crossed, you know, like, no problems. Really. It's been really challenging in so many different ways for lots of reasons. But um, I'm glad I came to Maine. Um, it, I think, you know, I think it was a risk worth taking, even though, you know can't candy coat that it was easy or I always felt good about it but um but yeah it means means special in a lot of ways um and frustratingly frustrating in so many other ways but yeah that's kind of like the the circuitous route of that relationship and um connected to that song and to kindergarten In stories of reconnection, the two characters often meet up again by chance. Maybe, like Harry and Sally, they run into each other in a bookstore or in an airplane terminal. Or maybe they see each other at a book signing. Aaron's story has an element of chance. The letter bounces from mailbox to mailbox before finally arriving in D.C. But her reconnection is bound by something a lot more concrete. I I think the, the, the heart of this, at least for me, is how tangible that tape was and like um 
I'm trying to think of the equivalent now because even even your correspondences, right? Yeah. Like you could just text somebody yeah. now or like like you wouldn't have this whole roundabout right. sort of and then you receive an actual tape yeah. like you receive like a picture probably now it's like right. yeah there's something about the waiting like the waiting time in between when you're writing letters um i don't know it feels like more effort goes into writing a letter and how you write it and just like the you know like we were talking about too earlier that that the the motion of putting a pen to paper and the connection to your brain um it means more i guess than, i don't know maybe you write different i mean I think people write differently in letters too it's not like it's more formal but it's a different way of, of different language, a different way of writing or expressing yourself than you would in a text. But there's something about that in between waiting time that it's like, you know, oh, I can't wait till the next letter comes. Or like you get, a, you get an actual like physical cassette in the mail that you didn't expect. And there's like things like, there's emotions or feelings connected to that little piece of plastic in a way too, you know, like and it's in that format. That's so different to me than like a file on a computer. It, that even feels more impersonal in so many ways. Um, I don't know, you carry this tape around with you. There's gold stars on it. <laughs> so, you know, that you can't really replicate that in, in, a, in that sort of digital kind of mode, unfortunately. 